If you have your Bible, be turning to Matthew's Gospel in chapter number 28, please. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to kind of jump around in Scripture a little bit. And I probably won't take a lot of time because of the nature of the sermon today to wait for you to get to every text. So I've put them on the screen for you um, this morning. Um, But uh, excited about what God has laid on my heart for the church today. The start of this 2023 year. On Tuesday, February 26 of 2008, approximately 7,000 Starbucks were closed for three hours. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? (laughs) That is a national emergency. I feel like you guys are being kind of sarcastic. During those three hours, approximately 135,000 employees were retrained in making coffee. Howard Schultz, the leader of the company, observed that his baristas were losing their edge in brewing the perfect cup of coffee. As he tried to figure out why that was the case, he thought back to the formative years of Starbucks when, when the attention of the baristas was solely on the coffee. But over time, there came the emergence of food items and more food items and more food items and eventually the attention of the baristas was divided. As a result, the quality of the coffee and even the customer experience spiraled downward. So Howard Schultz called a timeout. He made a decision that Starbucks would reduce the variety of breakfast sandwiches made and sold. The reason he made this decision was because, believe it or not, the smell of the sandwiches was competing with the aroma of the coffee. And the aroma of the coffee is essential in the Starbucks experience. And you you just read, they've studied this, scientists have studied this, it's actually quite manipulative to our brains. Plus, his barista's attention was too divided. They couldn't remember how to make good coffee anymore because they had to make so many sandwiches. So he closed 7,000 stores for several hours, which was extremely costly. He simplified their menu, which was risky at first, all to refocus the company on its core mission, great coffee. Offering fewer breakfast sandwiches certainly wasn't popular at the time with everyone. But that move, that courageous move by Howard Schultz, Revealed a renewed commitment to the essence of his company. And that's what today's sermon's all about. A renewed sense of commitment to the mission and essence of Fellowship Baptist Church. I want to preach to you a message titled, On Mission. See, if a company as successful and intentional as Starbucks can slowly drift off mission over time, I have a feeling that Fellowship Baptist Church can too. But the difference between Starbucks drifting off mission and the church drifting off mission is huge. Because we're not about serving lattes, though we do in the K-Cafe, open directly after the service. (laughs) But the difference is huge because that's not our mission. We serve people. We're not about making profit, we're about making followers of Christ. And I'm here to tell you the mission is just too important to get distracted and start drifting. 
Today I'm following the advice of a man by the name of Max DePriest who said this, leadership is like third grade. It means repeating the significant things. What I'm preaching today is one of those significant things for Fellowship Baptist Church that I believe with all my heart is worth repeating. Because if we don't stop every so often, just like Starbucks did, and revisit the mission and essence of our church, revisit the the basic spiritual growth steps that we put in place, we will slowly but surely drift off mission. I believe if we were able to do an autopsy of every church who closed their door sadly in 2022... And if we're able to do an autopsy of every church that will close their doors in 2023, which grieves my heart, I guarantee you that we would find as their cause of of death a drifting off mission. It didn't happen overnight, but because of a lack of regular maintenance, because of a lack of courageous adjustments and leadership, those churches died. I don't want to ever be one of those churches. And that's why I'm preaching this sermon today. There will be two simple headings to the sermon. We're going to talk about heading number one, our mission. And heading number two, our growth steps. I realize that for some in here, you've heard me preach on this the last two years. At the beginning of every year. So for you, it's going to be just a healthy reminder. We're going to take about 35 or 40 minutes to stop making coffee. And we're going to be, we're going to revisit what we're all about. And that's healthy for the entire church to do. For others, it's, it's going to be a course correction. It's going to be some reminders to you of, of maybe some steps you know and you've known for a while in your heart you need to take. For others that are new to our church, this is going to be an introduction to what Fellowship Baptist Church is all about per scripture. So whoever you are, whatever you're going to get out of this, I believe it can serve a purpose for everybody. Let's start by talking about our mission Helping people find and follow Jesus. I want to be super clear. The church is not free to pick its own mission. Okay, we aren't a a company uh, uh, funded by a business owner or an investor who gets to, you know, pick whatever he wants to do to make money. That's not the church. We're not even like a nonprofit organization in our town that's ran by a board of directors And they decide, here's the difference we want to make in our community. We want to go down this lane. We want to fill this niche. That's not us. I'm for nonprofits. I'm for growing organizations and companies in our town that make it a better place to live. I'm, I'm a part of nonprofit organizations. But I want to tell you, the church is much different than that. The church is ran by God himself. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he is already, with his authority as the Son of God, given the church its mission. It's not something we vote on. It's found in several places of the scripture. I'll point out two. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, the disciples, who would propel the work of the first church, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, here's the mission, go ye therefore and teach all nations. One other gospel writer, I think it was Luke said, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's our mission. We go into all the world and we help people everywhere find and follow Jesus. 
Jesus reiterates that in Acts chapter 1 right before he went back up into heaven. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And to the uttermost part of the world. Do you see that mission in there? Sure, we didn't word it exactly as those verses worded it. We, we summarized it into one statement that I think we can all remember and repeat. And it's become a DNA of our church, helping people find and follow Jesus. The implication is this. You shouldn't be a part of Fellowship Baptist Church simply because you like our programs. I'm glad we have them. We work hard at having good programs and and healthy programs, and growing programs, and organized programs. You shouldn't be a part of Fellowship Baptist Church just because we have the best music in town. I don't know if we do, but if that's your opinion, and that I come here because I like the music, that's not, the, that's not a good reason. You shouldn't even come here because this is where you're comfortable. Well, I know people here, so I'm comfortable, and that's where I'm going to call church. You know primarily, first and foremost, why you should be a part of Fellowship Baptist Church? Because you believe in our mission. And because you have bought in to your responsibility to help us fulfill our mission. We don't join a church so that we have somebody that will conduct our funeral when we die. We have a church because, wow, they're about helping people find and follow Jesus. I like that. I want to be a part of that. I buy into that. That isn't the American church today, by the way. We're no longer church hoppers. We're church shoppers. And so let me see what they have for my kids and let me see what, what they have for couples and, and let me see what they have for my specific talent and my lane of expertise. And then we put all these things together and it's like, yeah, I'll take that one. Now, hold on a second. I believe that going into a church and, and being eyes wide open and, 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 and seeing, okay, is this a place my family could grow? That is important. Not devaluing the fact that you might need to visit several churches and and let God lead you in that way. Because the book of 1 Corinthians 12 does say that God places those in the body as it pleases him. Fellowship Baptist Church isn't for everybody, by the way. That's okay. So it's it's good to go go into various churches and see where God would have you make a difference. But, but, But listen, the primary thing you ought to be about when you're looking for a church is what is that church all about? Not what does it offer me? What is it doing for the world? Can I be a part of helping people find and follow Jesus through that ministry? Now, I just want to ask you, are you on mission today? Or have you been distracted by all the breakfast sandwiches? All the breakfast sandwiches in your life. That have made your schedule and your time and your commitment level so complex. Let, let, me just add, let me just ask you some questions to help evaluate that. Number one, do you feel a burden for people in your circle of influence who are lost? You know what I mean by burden, right? It's heavy on you. You wake up and you go to bed. And, 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 and there's, there's not a day that goes by where, where you don't feel this weight. Man, I got, I got to find an opportunity to talk to my lost coworker. I got to find an opportunity to get in a gospel conversation with my family member who I know is lost. Do you feel that? Do you feel that weight? Or do you feel the weight of paying your bills? The weight of, of, of getting your health better? The, 
the way to raising your kids. All of that is a weight that can overshadow the weight of being a follower of Christ. Secondly, do you pray regularly for people in your life who are lost? Is there a lost person on your prayer list? Number three, do you look for opportunities to have gospel conversations with people who are lost? When I say look for opportunities, like you're looking for open doors. When's the last time you went to work proactive about God? What door are you going to open up for me today? Which customer are you going to let me show the love of God to today? What employee are you going to let me show the love of God to today? Here's a simple one. Do you invite people to church? It's a simple question. When's the last time you brought somebody to church with you? Three, are you, are, 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 one, two, three, four, five, are you faithfully involved and committed to missional ministries within Fellowship Baptist Church? What difference are you making through the church? Here's another one. Are you giving a regular tithe and sacrificial offering to the church on a regular basis to help support its mission? There's some good questions there to ask ourselves so that we can identify whether or not we're truly on mission. If you aren't on mission, maybe you've slowly drifted off mission. Let me encourage you with with just four simple things you can start doing like today to reorient your heart, to have a burden again for lost people in your life. Do this first of all. Start praying every day that God would give you divine appointments to interact with and influence the lost people in your life. I'm telling you, that is a prayer God wants you to pray because it's a prayer God wants to answer. God might not be giving you opportunities because you just simply never ask. Pray. Secondly, every time you leave our church, stop by one of the kiosks located in one of the two pillars in our foyer there and grab either a gospel track, looks just like this, or grab a church invite. Join me on Sunday. On the back, they have a QR, can that, QR code they can, they can scan and they hear a gospel presentation on our website from me. It takes them directly to that, that video. Like take one of these every time you leave church, every time, and say this week, I'm handing one of these out. Whichever one will work better for you. Take that. Start investing financially into the ministry. Why? Because here's what Jesus said. Red letters in my Bible, Matthew chapter five or six. He said this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever you spend your money on will be what you're passionate about. Whatever you make investments to, you'll pay attention to. And and so if you aren't giving like sacrificing your hard earned money, which by the way, God gave you the health to earn it. It's his anyway, but, 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 but the, the, the reason you should do that is because Jesus said that the wallet has a kind of a, an interesting way of controlling the heart. Number four, get plugged into a ministry of the church that allows you to help people find and follow Jesus. I get it that outside of these walls, you can have all kinds of spontaneous God-led ministry with people, and you should. But there's something to be said about an army of believers coming together on a weekly basis and serving the Lord through the church. It's a powerful thing. So that's our mission, helping people find and follow Jesus. We've got to stay committed to this. Heading number two is our growth steps. 
Our grow steps are just a simple and strategic process that move people through the steps of spiritual growth. What I like about our grow steps, and you'll notice them on those walls over there, is that it puts tangibility to our mission. If the only thing I were to put before you today is our mission that we're to help people find and follow Jesus, then you'd probably be in agreement today about that, but there might not be a lot of action following the sermon. The grow steps provide this clear and tangible way to put our mission to action. It's a, it's a spiritual map of sorts that helps guide a person practically through some just very simple and clear growth steps. Now, I want to be clear before I start on these that, that this is not like some homework assignment that if you're going to be part of Fellowship Baptist Church, you've got to check off all these boxes and you get a sticker for every one. That's not our heart behind these. At all. We tracked them because we want to know where people are. But, but this is not a legalistic uh, type of spirit that I'm trying to preach these in. This is just a path that we have forged, that, that we have found over the years, really the decades at Fellowship Baptist Church, in which people grow through our ministry here. And so we simplified those down to, to, to five steps and five programs that go with, with, with each step. And, and, and so I hope you get my spirit in this. I'm very passionate about you trying to find the next step to take so that you can grow. But I'm also very passionate about being clear about this, that, that you never have to join a church to go to heaven. You're going to hear, I think it's very important, but you do not have to be a church member to go to heaven. I think saved people do that, by the way. But you don't have to to go to heaven. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't come at 945 for a Sunday school class. The gospel is not come back on Sunday evening and Wednesday evening. The gospel is not sign up for a ministry at church. That's not the gospel. And I don't want to get so loud about things that aren't the gospel that you start believing even unintentionally that it is the gospel. That's not to say that they aren't important though. There's so much in the Bible outside of the gospel that follows up the gospel that teaches us how to practically follow Jesus every day. Do you agree with that? So here's the first of those steps and the most important of them all. It's believe. That's where following Jesus begins. It begins with salvation. I could give all kinds of scriptures for this. I picked out one of my favorite testimonies in all of scripture. Read along with me. Acts chapter 16, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul, the apostle Paul that is, cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. He fell down. We're talking about the prison guard, the jailer, fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He in all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Isn't that a great testimony? It's a great example of someone taking that first step, believing in Jesus, the will that he was, the, the, the fact that he was willing to get baptized in that setting, in that culture, certainly signified that he didn't just believe by faith, he was willing to repent of his sin as well. When the jailer asked Paul, what do I need to do to be saved? 
Paul didn't tell him to get baptized. Though he eventually did because that's what saved people do. Paul didn't tell him to join the church that he was about to start in Philippi, though the jailer did, because that's what Christians do. Paul didn't tell him to start doing Christian things because he wasn't a Christian yet. Paul said, you want to get it in order? Start with this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people want to skip this step. They want to start living better. They want to start coming to church or they want to start meeting some Christian friends or doing Christian things like serving others and giving. Uh, All of those things are important, but they're all in vain if they aren't motivated out of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that came as a result of you believing in his finished work on the cross and his bodily resurrection from the grave and then repenting of your sin. We have a very intentional and organized way to introduce people to the gospel at Fellowship Baptist Church. This sounds kind of obvious, but we have to meet them first. And that's why you probably get sick and tired of it if you come here every week of me saying, if you haven't filled out a connect card, take it out of the seat back in front of you. And, and we go through that spill and I'll do it again at the end of the service. And you're probably like, okay, man, come on. That's really important. Why is that important? How am I going to meet people? Like that's, that's really the avenue through which we meet people. Now, thankfully, some people come and introduce themselves to me and maybe I, I chase down people and, and introduce myself to them and, and some organic ways that can happen. But the connect card is our opportunity to meet people. And then David, Pastor David gets those every week and he makes contact with those folks in some way every week. And our goal is to not harass people. It's not to invade people's privacy. It's not to pressure people to come back to our church. Our goal is to simply be available to help meet their needs spiritually, should they have any. And if a person says, man, I would like to go through the gospel, I'd like to understand more about this, then we have this program called Fellowship 101. It's called Christianity Explained. Pastor David has put this together. And it's a six-week one-on-one study with one of our pastors. A very non-threatening, not manipulative, not pressure-filled. It's slow. Um, it gives time for people to ask questions about Jesus. People ask questions about the, the, the Gospel of Mark that they're reading through. And, and, and generally what we found out if somebody is lost and without Christ, by the end of that six-week study, they get saved. It's pretty awesome. And and we don't force that and we don't hurry that and we don't rush that. um, But we rejoice when it happens. If you're here today and and you want to talk about this first growth step, would you take a connect card, literally take it, uh, turn it over and and mark that that box by believe. Put your name and contact information on it. And we won't pressure you, but we'll be available should should you want uh, to be helped with any of those steps. That's the first growth step and the most important. But hear me, that's only the starting line to following Jesus. Okay, let me show you what I mean. Look at these verses in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you are saved by grace, not by works. But look at the next verse. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, next three words, unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You're not saved by works, you're saved by grace through faith. But... You are saved to do good works. In fact, James gets even stronger language than that. He said, if you say you have faith, but you have no works to back up your faith, your faith is dead. You're a faker. I mean, it's, it's pretty serious matter. And so it's not about us just saying, it's just all about getting saved and loving Jesus. And, and we're going to have pumpkin spice lattes every Sunday and talk about whatever. 
So you're going to come in and we're going to juice you up for Jesus and go out. And then you come back, we're going to juice you up for Jesus. And it's going to be a pepper. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. But that's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is life doesn't begin for you until you get saved. But life doesn't end once you get saved. There's so much more to experience in the Christian life when you give yourself fully to the work of the Holy Spirit to do that in you. So, so what are those growth steps? What are some of those good works that, that Christ expects from his children with his help? Growth step number two, commit. The very first thing a person should do following their salvation is get baptized. You look at it in the New Testament. Okay, this is literally what saved people do. You cannot read the Bible and say, you know, well, that's kind of optional for a Christian. No, a Christian wants to go public with their faith. A Christian wants to signify what's happened on the inside. A Christian wants to join a church. Acts 2.41. This is not my opinion. It's not even a Baptist opinion. Then they that gladly received his word, that means they they were saved, were baptized. Why? Because the same day, They were added unto them, the church of Jerusalem, 3,000 souls. The church of Jerusalem clearly had a membership role where converts who got saved also got baptized and were added to the church. The same thing happened in the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. A couple verses later, he says, now ye, talking to the church of Corinth, Ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. It's clear in these passages and many other parts of the New Testament that God wants you to be a member of a specific church that he, in his sovereignty, has seen fit to set you in. I don't have time for a comprehensive teaching on church membership. I've preached it two times. You can go to our website and dig up those sermons. I will say this. You cannot be everything you need to be for Christ and for others apart from a commitment to a local church. You can't. You can be a Christian. You can make a difference. But you cannot, you cannot do it to the degree and with the effectiveness that you could by teaming up in a covenant commitment to other believers inside of a local church. That's just the truth. The, the, the entire New Testament is, is basically letters written to specific churches with specific church members' names, y'all. Yeah. Specific church members' names. To understand the New Testament and to live by it, you have to be committed to a church. To be extra clear, this is not a sales pitch for Fellowship Baptist Church. This is simply an exhortation to commit to the church that God leads you to be a part of. You cannot read your Bible and study it honestly and come to the conclusion that being a casual observer in a church is God's idea. Being a church hopper or shopper is not God's idea. His idea is just the opposite according to scripture. His desire is for every one of his followers to get baptized, watch here, baptized in the name of the Trinity by immersion after salvation into a gospel preaching church. Then get involved in that gospel preaching church that they've committed themselves to. I recognize Fellowship Baptist Church, 310 West Pancake, is not the only gospel preaching church in Seward County or in the surrounding areas. 
There are a lot of good gospel preaching churches around us. But if God sees fit to set you in this body, he is calling upon you to take the step to commit to it. Don't delay that. Don't procrastinate that. Even if you've been burned by past churches, give us a shot to speak to you. We're not going to have a sales pitch. There's not a sales pitch. I don't, we haven't memorized any kind of lingo to get you to make up your mind. We just want to answer any questions you have. We're available for that. Again, you can mark it on your Connect card. You'd like to commit. Pastor David will follow up with you. I'd love to meet you, talk with you about that. Let's move on to growth step number three. That's Connect. We believe that the Bible teaches the principle of community or fellowship within a church body. That, that doesn't just mean you're committed to being a part of that church as a formal member. You're committed to the people inside of that church, both for their benefit and for yours. We see that in Acts chapter 2, many other places, but this one's simple. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Those that were added to the church were, were radically committed, even daily committed to fellowship with those that they go to church with. Now, the means that we created to to at least give you kind of an on-ramp to fellowship within your church so that you aren't just looking at the back of somebody's head and then going out and coming back six days later and doing it again. Uh, One of the means by which we've created to achieve that is our connection groups at 945. I I would hope that you would try to be a part of one of those. It's a bigger commitment. You've got to get up earlier. I get that. It's harder. Um, but just to help you, there's nurseries and children's Sunday school classes available during that time. You, you can talk with me and I hopefully point you in the right direction for a connection group. There's no connection group that's ran perfectly. No one has a perfect leader. Um, they all have their warts. They all have their problems. There's going to be things about every connection group that you roll your eyes at, that you're not in agreement with, that make you feel uncomfortable or that you just don't like, but you're not a customer. I need more amens after that. You're not a customer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You get around people, rub shoulders with people, get close to people. That's what Christians do. The benefit of a connection group is that it shrinks our church of 400 people down to 20 or 30. What we do in our connection groups is we take prayer requests. I had, I, I'm not, not quite sure. It's right here. Well, I thought it was right there. Maybe it's on my desk now. I had the prayer list that, that I made up from the prayer request in our group, we went to 1008 today taking prayer requests. And I don't rush that part of our connection group. There have been times, and, and my connection group would be able to tell you, there have been times when we haven't even gotten into the word because there were so many burdens to bear for each other. And so we just, we write those down and then, then I pray or have somebody in the class who's comfortable praying out loud. I have them pray. And then we take those burdens home all week long and hopefully people in those connection groups are texting each other and caring for each other and checking up on each other. You can't do that to 400 other people. You can keep up with 15 or 20 though. Another thing that, that it does is, is, is it gives you opportunity to take a message you hear on Sunday morning, the previous Sunday morning, and Pastor David writes a discussion guide and the leader just kind of leads in a discussion. Nobody's forced to share out loud their insight or what they thought of the message or how they can apply it to their life, but all are welcome to do that. And what that is, is just provoking one another to love and good works. It's challenging one another. It's, it's keeping one another accountable. It's encouraging each other in the word of God. Don't you agree that, that, that you're going to be able to have a more personal connection in your church if every week you get to see the face of 15 or 20 people instead of look at the back of the head of 400 people? Yeah. Both are important. Corporate worship like this is incredibly uplifting. And encouraging to your Christian life, but so is small group. Let, let, let me give you the fourth one, and that's grow. 
One of the most obvious ways in which Christians grow in their faith is through their exposure to the preached word of God. Okay, Acts 2.42 points this out. And they continued steadfastly with much commitment in the apostles' doctrine. A steadfast commitment to the teaching of the Bible is absolutely essential to your spiritual growth. That's why the whole COVID thing really scared me, to be honest with you. Because we start, this trend started in, in America of like virtual church. I really struggle with that. I struggle with that, number one, because you aren't rubbing shoulders with other believers on a weekly basis in person. But I also struggle because I know how many testimonies I heard from our people that said, hey, I watched you online because I was sick or whatever. But it ain't the same. It just, it's just not, man. It's, it's, it, you don't get what you get when you're in a chair, when you're in person. We believe that the more you go, the more opportunities you have to grow. And so that's why we have evening uh, services for that purpose. We want to offer more opportunities for spiritual growth through Sunday night service, through Wednesday night services. And, and, and to be clear and, and compassionate about it at the same time, we don't do three services a week with kind of like a, a, a buffet philosophy. Pick which one works best for you and, pick, and then come to that one. We, we do three services a week with more of a three-course meal philosophy. Just eat it all. That's, that's what I think. I mean, tell me, just to be honest with yourself in your mind, uh, what puts you in the best position to grow spiritually? One sermon per week, two sermons a week, or three sermons per week? I'll ask that another question that's maybe less confrontational. What puts a basketball team in the best position to have a winning record? One practice a week, two practices a week, or three practices a week? What puts a small business in liberal Kansas in the best position to get their name out to the community? One ad per week, two ads per week, or three ads per week? The answer is pretty obvious. There are a few other benefits outside of just increased hearing of the word of God. You're actually three times more likely to make close relationships inside of the church. Coming on Sunday and Wednesday nights, it's just been proven over the decades in our church. It's just, you're going to organically, naturally over time, feel like you're more a part of the church. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Um, So long as you're doing your part to be friendly and engaging, of course. You're going to feel more comfortable because you know more people, because you're here more often. I think that's true in anything you get involved in in life. The more you're in it, the more chances you get yourself to to get out of it. Uh, Here's another thing. Your kids get another opportunity on Wednesday nights to be in children's ministry or youth ministry. Um, This is a big deal because they are getting exposed daily by the minute to worldly philosophies. Via social media, peers, YouTube, curriculum, whatever. The more you can expose them to the word of God, the better. On Sunday nights, it's one of my favorite services because the entire family gets to worship on the same row of chairs every Sunday night. Unless you're a young person, they like sitting up front or they're made to sit up front. I don't know which one it is. I love Sunday night services because we offer sermon notes for our our small children to take notes and keep engaged. And and we offer them a time at the offering. That's if you ever wonder what this chest is. It's not a coffin for spiders. It's, it's, it's an offering plate. Um, and we open that up every Sunday night. And, and they, the, you ought to see it on Sunday night. Is this not a blessing to those that come on Sunday nights? I mean, there is a, it's like a swarm of bees. It's like, I didn't know we had that many church kids around here. It's kind of gets scary when you think about it. But I mean, it's, it's like four-way traffic. It's crazy, it's, but it's a blessing. 
And then Pastor David enthusiastically sits on those steps <laughs> and gives candy to children like a weirdo. So it's, it's great. <laughs> Inside joke. This is why you come on Sunday nights, man. You don't get left out on that stuff. It's worth it. I love it because we get to teach our, our children how to worship with the church. Think about it. If, if our children never saw mom and dad singing, never heard the pastor preaching. If they, if they never got to rub shoulders with people that were different than them, different skin color than them, different family background with them. If they never got to see all those variations, if, if all they got was just kid church and kid church and kid church and kid church, they'd be missing out on something. They'd be missing out on something. I'm telling you, man, I was brought to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, my entire life. And it seems old fashioned and to some it seems legalistic. But I'm telling you, it contributed to my life in a big, huge way. It's just helpful. It, it, it doesn't guarantee anything on part of our kids, but it sure does give them a better chance. We have members meetings on Sunday nights that are really important. Um, last Sunday night in January, I think our end of the year meeting, we'll vote for church officers. Those kind of things will be a part of that. You know what my favorite thing we do on the evening services? Is our communion services. It is my favorite. Sometimes we'll do it on a Wednesday. Sometimes we'll do it on a Sunday. We're doing it more than we've ever done it in 2023. I'll talk to you about that tonight. Every church member, just like they're commanded to get baptized, they're commanded to participate in communion. It's very important for the life of our church. If you've never been to communion service at Fellowship Baptist Church, I'm telling you, you're missing out. It will do something to your soul and your heart. It's exactly what God intended it to be. So come on Sunday night. Come on Wednesday night. I know that's hard for some. I know that's almost unimaginable to think of in your mind. But I pray that maybe you'll just give that a shot. Here's the last growth step, and that's serve. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We'll go home after this one. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Here's why. For the perfecting of the saints, the members of the church. Why? For the work of the ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Did you get the order? You're, you're given spiritual leaders so that you can, you can be equipped. And you can be equipped to serve in ministry. And you serve in ministry so that you can edify the body of Christ. God's plan for every church member is that you are actively involved in church ministry. What does that look like at fellowship? I, I put it in my own three categories. These aren't from the Bible at all. But they're my own three categories. There's a sweet spot ministry. Find a place in service where your experience, your passion, and your giftedness all collide. That's a place of ministry that will come easy for you because you're good at it and you're comfortable with it. Find that in our church. I want to help you find that in our church. Find that in our church. What do I love to do? Let's get you plugged in in that way. Number two, service-related ministries. This is like a missional-type ministry. We have liberal love events. Have you ever heard of that? Liberal love, that's, that's, that's part of our DNA at Fellowship too. We love our community. Love our community. We try to serve our community. Invest in our community. I can give you a whole list of things. Come back, watch the video. You'll see our liberal love events on the video tonight. We do a ton of stuff for our community. That is awesome ways for you to get involved and serve. Um, uh, outreach events. We do trunk or treat. It's a big outreach event. We, we do uh, first responder Sunday. We do teacher appreciation Sunday. We do big Easter Sunday. This year we did evangel- evangelistic push during Christmas. These are things you can get involved in. Vacation Bible school is huge at our church. 
And that's ways that you can contribute. The bus ministry. Do you know we pick up over 50 kids every Sunday morning and over 70 kids every Wednesday night? We pick them up to come to church. We need bus drivers. We need men and women that be willing to give up some time to go and, and, and get them kids on a bus and get them here safely. Missions giving. We're on target this year. Our church, above the tithe, above the tithe, we are on target to give over $360,000 to missions-related works. It's incredible. Get involved in that kind of stuff. And then, and then lastly, spontaneous ministry. What is that? Well, we know that, that not all ministry happens inside of the four walls of this church. Be a minister wherever you go. Even, even when you come to church, have your radar up because there might be someone across the way that looks discouraged. Go minister to them. Spontaneous. There might be somebody that you need to have into your home and encourage them. Spontaneous. There might be a letter you need to write to encourage another saint. Spontaneous. There might be something I say from the pulpit. Hey, we need, we need some help here. Spontaneous. Be like, I'll sign up. Hey, we need like 17, well, it's like 70,000 pieces of candy for trunk or treat. I'll get some. Spontaneous ways to serve your church. If you'd like to take the growth step of service, man, I'd love to talk to you about that. Get you plugged in where, wherever we can. Uh, in our ministry. So those are the growth steps, just a systematic and simple strategy, uh, way for you to grow spiritually. So let me ask you today, what is your next step of spiritual growth as it relates to your church? What is that for you? Do you need to take the step of committing through church membership? Man, I hope you'll visit with a pastor about that. Are you wanting to connect in a deeper and more meaningful way with the people of fellowship? Join a connection group. Come talk to me about that. Has God been working on your heart about committing to more than just one service a week? Getting you and your family here more often. And I'm going to pray that you'll reorient your life and schedule to come to more evening services this year. Maybe God's been working on you for a while to be more of a contributor to your church. Maybe you're internally bothered by your lack of involvement and service through your church. And you're just not that kind of person. You're the kind of person that wherever you're going to get in, you're going to get all in. And you've just been kind of procrastinating having that conversation with a pastor. I hope you'll, you'll do that. Maybe most importantly, you've been coming for a while and you know in your heart that you haven't taken the first step of belief. You know God's working on you to believe in him, repent of your sin and get saved. If that's the step you need to take, do not try to take the next four. That's true legalism. Do not try to put the cart in front of the horse Friend, you need to be made right with God the Father through God the Son. And we would love an opportunity to share the gospel with you. If you agree with the Bible today, say amen. amen. I, I think